Hold on, let me pump the brakes here. What's going on with the hair? Uh, I'm not having a haircut in a bit, my man. That's the, so it's, it's, yeah. it's a thing of beauty. Yeah, <laughs> it's that. coming out the sides, and yeah, it's it's uh, oh. it's getting hot, getting hot. I don't know. It's uh, not something I want to do because I've been pretty good about the whole social distancing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I buzzed mine by myself. Like I, I did it myself. Well, I, I had my kid do it actually. My four year old. Yeah, so. yeah. It's part of the continuity of the show. I think. I think I've shouted that out. I guess you heard about that shit up Mabling bank robbery. It's always been on the box all day. Killed some people, didn't it? Yeah. Killed four rangers. Three cops, one civilian, took a lady bank teller hostage with him. Supposed to be headed for the border, which would bring him right my way. I get my hands on them crazy, sick fucking bastards payback time. I mean, I'll get him. I don't doubt it. Well, I got drained the wizard. I might use your commode. Knock yourself out. Welcome. All right, let's do uh, from dusk till dawn. This is uh, well. This is Marcus played. There it is. This is the there show is. that you clicked on. You subscribed to. You rated five stars. Whatever you kids do with podcasts now. Uh, we are on Spotify, right, Hiro? I think I sent you a text saying, hey, I put us on Spotify. And did you really? I n- did I not text you about that? Because I never checked no. it again. I submitted it. And it was like, I hope it's there because I, I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify. Oh, if I but... knew that, I'd be I'd be advertising the Spotify thing all over the place. Well, it, I mean, you're not an Android guy. And I know how you feel about those people, but that is their platform of choice now, I think. I don't think Google Podcasts ever took off. I didn't know that because I've been advertising Google Podcasts for my other. Uh, well, that's fine too. If we're there, I just I've never used a Google Podcast app, so I've never verified that. But we are for sure on Spotify. I just okay. haven't listened to an episode. Uh, so yeah, maybe you're listening there. Probably not. But uh, we are talking about Robert Rodriguez and From Dust Till Dawn. And I'm trying to remember. Did you give me a little shit about this, about Robert Rodriguez? Did I say something negative about the man? I, f- I felt challenged a few episodes back. We, well, yes, you attacked his that something would have been worse if Robert Rodriguez made it and that he was very much the pigeonhole guy. And, of course, I defended his honor by bringing up Sharkboy and Lava Girl. That's right. That as one it. does. And uh, thankfully, whatever listen- listeners we do have on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever – we did not follow through on our threat to devote 40 minutes to Shark Point and Lava Girl. Instead, this um, – okay, I'm, I, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this because it sounds stupid. This came out in January of 1996. I really like the topic you came up with. Uh, well, okay, my podcast, the one that I'm bringing to the table, that's, gonna ha- that's how we're going to start it off. So the, the theme of this episode, which hopefully will, in some form or fashion will be on the, the title, the very screen that you clicked on – are uh, movies that refuse to be boxed in as one thing. So the podcast that I'm bringing to the table, we'll just get them out of the way early because they kind of attack that very premise right at the top, which made it easy for me, right? Like I'm looking for podcasts uh, on this topic, and they are talking about not only From Dust Till Dawn, 
But I don't know if you were aware of this movie when it came out, Hiro. But the trailers, they do box it in. And so my podcast is called Hey, Do You Remember? And they were sort of lamenting from the jump that this is a movie with a pretty big shift, a pretty big twist. So this is a spoiler if you know nothing about From Dust Till Dawn, because myself and this podcast are kind of warning you that if you are unaware of what this movie turns into, it might work better. So the podcast is Hey, Do You Remember? And they were talking about the fact, last spoiler warning, that the trailers announced this as Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez are doing a vampire movie. In addition to the talent behind the camera, the film was also noteworthy for giving George Clooney his first major starring role. And for audiences who at that point knew him best as the heroic and charming Dr. Ross on ER, this was a pretty shocking departure. Even now, the film probably works best if you're not familiar with the extreme turn it takes halfway through. So if you're too young to remember the winter of 1996, it might surprise you to know that the twist was spoiled early and often in all of the advertising. In fact, this was commonly referred to as the Quentin Tarantino vampire movie, which meant that for many of us, the most surprising thing about From Dusk Till Dawn was not that there were vampires in it. It was that it took so damn long for them to finally show up. Nevertheless, despite being inexplicably and unceremoniously dumped into the cinematic wasteland known as January, the film was successful enough to spawn two straight-to-video sequels and, more recently, a TV series that retells and expands upon the events from this original film. Now, for a movie that was so of its moment in so many ways, how does it play 20 years later? We'll get into all of that and more in just a second, but first, since Donna was going to be out of town, I wanted to make sure we picked something she wasn't going to be too upset about, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that she had to miss out on. So I figured anything in the horror genre was going to be a safe bet, and even though you're not a huge fan of horror either, Carlos, Tarantino and Rodriguez, these are two guys we've wanted to talk about for, yeah. for a while. Um, and then with the vampire connection, figured, hey, Kristen... Hey, yeah. <laughs> Even though you were just here for Independence Day, why don't you come right back and, and sit in on this one as well? So thank you for doing this. Really? Thanks back, for having me. Back-to-back guest spots. Um, and the other reason I thought it would be good to have you here for this one is that you had never seen this. Never. Oh. Yeah. I had actually never heard of it. Oh, wow. So <laughs> Now, this is always a really valuable perspective, and especially with, with this movie. I was just very curious how this was going to work for someone who was brand new to it. And the premise, it seemed like, really intrigued you. Yeah, you explained it to me. I was like, that's that one. <laughs> I, need to, I need to understand that. Did, did you ruin the twist when you were explaining the premise? Yes. I kind of had to. Uh, okay. Really? Yeah. So, so you, you weren't aware of that, because I, no, I remember I that not. as a kid. And I actually have a note of this. Okay. Is that, uh, like if you, the first time you see this movie, which I remember I saw it in the theater, at the time I was just consuming everything, so I... I I don't even need to know what the hell the movie's about. It's got Tarantino. He's mm-hmm. coming off of Pulp Fiction. You know, he's right. he's riding high, Reservoir Dogs, all this stuff. All and I had, by that point I was already a big fan of El Mariachi, so I had already seen that. Really like Robert Rodriguez's stuff. Um, I did, had no idea, and I think if you know, don't know what's coming, you're absolutely right. You go from like one of the sexiest dances of all time with Salma Hayek shoving her feet into Tarantino's mouth, which, which is disgusting and disturbing. Yes, and, and it's like the. <laughs> Incredibly I'm going I'm to I'm take it Direction there. inducing. Uh, the opposite. <laughs> I was about to use the porn clip where, you know, you're doing your business. It's working for you. It's pushing all the right buttons. <laughs> and then there's the awkward, like, <laughs> thrusting from behind the dude. We see, like, the man butt <laughs> like, going the to work. With the yeah. Balls. <laughs> yeah. That, that, to me, was Quentin Tarantino 
having the opportunity, the uh, the vile creature that he is, to put his mouth on Salma Hayek's feet. That that uh, that killed it for me. What are we scene. about four minutes in, and we've already gone to <laughs> man butt butthole and balls. Well, there I, we go. Speaking I just want to, I guess, apologize to. Hey, do you remember? But also <laughs> say, hey, look, I got you out of the way early. <laughs> Before you could be disgusted by the show that's you know trying to promote your work, <laughs> uh, I can't say the same about whatever you're bringing to the table. But that's kind of how I wanted to jump off on this this topic because I knew going in as a teenager, uh, and I remember it being hyped up as oh Quentin Tarantino is writing a vampire movie, a horror movie, and the guy who did Desperado going to do a horror movie. So it was cool. Um, but when I did watch the movie, and I watched this one with my mom, this was one of those like family experiences because she's the one that introduced me in the me theater. In the theater, oh wow! And she was uh, a bigger Tarantino fan than myself because she uh, discovered like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, and then told me as a small child, "You've got to watch these movies." And I think she only covered my Explains eyes. Explains a lot. Well, it, it does. Like you know, only only covering my eyes for the uh, the Gimp sequence in Pulp Fiction. But not my ears, which made it far more terrifying to just to just hear the sounds and imagine what was on screen. So she was pumped for this, but she didn't know that it was a vampire movie. She just knew, oh, Quentin Tarantino has a new movie coming out. Oh, wow. For the first hour, you're watching him do you know, criminal shit, these guys on the run from cops, a lot of dialogue, very snappy, back and forth. Quentin Tarantino, as we've already said, is playing a creep. He'll continue to do creepy things with beautiful woman. And she liked it. And as soon as Salma Hayek's face morphs into that, like, sort of bald green snake lizard thing. Yeah, like a, a, a scroll or something. Um, is that a Marvel reference? That is that is, what you just did here? Yeah, yeah. And, all right. You know, now that, that hashtag. Now that Disney's got the rights back, you'll be seeing scrolls again, right? Like, all over the place. Fantastic I, Four movie. Sure. Your enthusiasm um, is just <laughs> it's it's been beaten out of you. Is it us bringing up Marvel movies so much on this show, or is as it long the as movies themselves? Ben Mendelsohn is doing it. I'm all in. He's a scroll, or no? Yeah. Or is he? Yeah, the, yeah. Okay. As long as Ben Mendelsohn is doing it, I'm with him. You know what? I can't disagree with you there. It's a great scroll. Salma Hayek's a better one, <laughs> or whatever she oh, is here. Well, <laughs> unless her foot is in the in butthole balls mode. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I maybe would rather see Salmonic's foot in a thrusting man ass with the, the back of the ball sack as opposed to Quentin Tarantino's face. That's how bad it is for me. Now, what if it was Quentin Tarantino's face post transformation to a vampire? I think it was an improvement, like, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I audibly laughed. I almost fell off the treadmill just laughing at that giant freak show of a. It, it takes every like funny feature on his weird mouth shape and head and just accentuates it times ten, and it makes for a funny gag. This, uh, I think, my mom. I don't think she would be disappointed in me being on the record with my thoughts uh, of <laughs> back of ball sack for this because she was disgusted in a different way when Salma Hayek turns and she realizes the nonsense that she's into for the back half of this movie. Like, I mean, she was turning in her chair. She was like, ah, this is dumb. Oh my God. Like really? like she despised this and thought she had been fooled and tricked into some silliness that for her was like beneath Tarantino's uh, set, I guess, as a screenwriter. And to be fair to her, I don't think the second half of the movie is really going to display like, you know, the finest uh, bit of Tarantino dialogue. You may have shades of that in the first half, but once it becomes a monster movie, 
Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if it, yeah, there's it, not a lot of quippy banter or none right. of that stuff. I didn't know, but I had a great time because it's really just it gets super cheeky on the back end, right? That you know, like uh, uh, the sex machine guy when he gets killed, his eyes balls go into like the corner pockets, and and you've got uh, or no, it was Danny Trejo, I think his eyes go into the corner pockets, and then you've got uh, you know the band exploding on their own and saying "fuck you, good night," and and just it, it, you're right. I mean, if you don't have if you're really desiring Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, then that flip could really fuck you up. But I mean, I don't know. I would love to have a conversation with her about it. Like, well, I, w- I would love to, to get the insight from you on. It would be short. She would like. She would dismiss it, use some foul language, and then not 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 even begin to entertain the notion that this had some merit. She she thought the twist. Uh, ruined like a uh, a fairly decent I guess crime movie because it is dark to that point right when like I mean he's he's murdering the uh, the hostage and, and and not just murdering it which is also a nice piece of filmmaking right when you're flashing the the blood of the walls mm-hmm. and stuff like that and you know George Clooney is doing his head flip thing that you know he's so famous for during that era when he just that drove me nuts but when when did that stop who was the director that told him you gotta stop doing this I think it was Soderbergh. Is that the one that got his? I think so. so. That's that's not too long then. Out of sight, saying, okay, you can't do the ER uh, conversation. Or it might have been uh, Soderbergh in, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Ocean's Eleven. From my memory, he's pretty still in those. He's a a cool customer. I don't remember him uh, bobbing and weaving (laughs) Stanley Ocean too much. Yeah. He's out there like Zab Judah, just just all messed up. Um, I hated it. I sent you that clip of (laughs) of his head just bobbling. Ugh, nightmare. But you could, so you couldn't get past that. But could you, could you make the leap in logic that Clooney and Tarantino were brothers? Did they have the same biological parents? Were they adopted from like a troubled youth home? I don't know, man. I mean, not all brothers have to be like carbon copies, like the little Russian dolls. You know, you could have like Danny DeVito and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's it's about that extreme here with (laughs) these two, Uh, and and the fact that of the. Of these two brothers, that Tarantino is the sexual predator, which you're right, is extremely dark. Like as he's just going down the list, and we put uh, poor Juliet Lewis like right in his uh, in his sights here, and you get some uncomfortable moments with that as well. You talk about uh, you know watching this with with mom when I'm 13 years old. Ooh, I forgot about that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. there's some some uh, uncomfortable che- dialogue there. Cheech Marion what comes mom in to say about that with his big speech. Uh, I think she laughed at Cheech. I think she, I think she found his uh, salesmanship um, <laughs> maybe not extreme, but you know, just uh, rightfully aggressive. A man trying to move some product, yeah, which you know, before she knew that he was a vampire. Well, he's offering a pretty good product with Sam Hayek is uh, rolling out at least at the first half of her dance. Do you think that they could have saved him uh, a lot of work by just <laughs> having her stand out front? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. Does anyone else even need to bother being out there? Uh, I wanted to know because I liked this a lot more when I was uh, a teenager, when I was a kid. I've, I've seen this, I don't know, five, six, seven times throughout my life. This time, I didn't agree with my mom's uh, initial take. I don't know if she ever rewatched it. Uh, but the, the cheekiness that you're talking about as an adult, I found it mildly... Mildly annoying, and I'm going to pick on one particular actor here, and it's not Tarantino, even though we've we've really gone after his looks. It's not Clooney with the head nod. It's Harvey Keitel. His character, you talk about not boxing in your movie, he seems like he is in a third film that is neither the, the, the crime movie nor the, the monster flick. His, his self-seriousness and his whole arc with his kids right. as a man who's yeah. lost his faith and then finds it again, you know, shortly becomes before he becomes like a demon spawn. None of the kids, neither are the kids, you know, they're pretty straightforward. I mean, they do some kills and yada, yada, but they're, they're not really hamming it up. Like, like the others, right. Um, Fred Williamson is fully hamming it up. He he pulls out the heart and he does a little Mm -hmm. pencil thing. And you know, the other one with the whip and the gun penis and all that. I mean, they're, obviously caricatures they're obviously these big ridiculous characters i actually like this movie i really do and i i don't mind it uh i i think that i like movies like this that that tinker with the genres and, and jump in and out um um you, you know P- parasite one best picture and i think that that's a really good example of well, you're really of films. classing it up here as far as going from from dust till dawn to parasite but you're right if parasite didn't have the uh the gold trophies from this year it is a genre movie and it's like a darkly funny one too yeah yeah and it also has some social commentary right it's, it's obviously has its finger on the pulse of the uh, economic uh, strife of certain people which brings me to my podcast so i looked up a, a podcast called comic book junto i'm gonna say it in spanish because it's uh, together in spanish but whatever i think they pronounce it differently on the podcast but they were talking about get out okay you really are trying to class it up here. I am. I'm, I'm also getting topical right here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, okay. uh, great. obviously this is going to publish quite some time. And of course, we are the right people to discuss this. <laughs> I, I'm but, just going to edit <laughs> the hell out of any of my responses. <laughs> All it's going to say is black like matters over and over every time. No, he, he talks they, they, have, they have a really interesting point, which is, I think, a point that you and I can both agree upon here is that Jordan Peele has layered this thing. And it seems really artful that Jordan Peele was capable of making it so. All throughout the movie, Chris has to deal with these microaggressions and these engagements, these situations yeah. where he has to think, am I being crazy? Yeah. Is this weird? Mm-hmm. Are you are you forcing this issue or making me like putting this angle on things? Yeah. But then maybe the most tragic element of the movie from my perspective is every turn until it goes too far. He has to talk himself down and say, no, yeah, no, yeah, it's just me. Yeah. No. And he actually has these moments where Rose will say, do you want to leave? And he's like, no, no. You know what? We're good. I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm and it's fine. almost like she's preying on. Yeah. She's planning on. She's hoping she's hinging this upon yeah. him constantly like subduing his consciousness beating him down constantly going no all the things that i feel are genuine no they're Mm -hmm. not genuine it's me it's like this inward thing where you start turning off the thing that makes you want to protect yourself as a person of color Mm -hmm. and again like I, i keep saying how 
Jordan Peele creates stakes within the movies that you don't have to be black to feel. The movie creates the stakes. Yeah. The, the, the plot of the movie creates the, oh my gosh, run. Yeah. But for black people, we're like, oh my gosh, run because of the stakes. But oh my gosh, run because as a black person, I understand the other layer of what what's going on here. That's one of the most fascinating aspects of this film that I've heard other people speak on behalf of. Mm-hmm. And that I had the, the opportunity to experience is, I think I was listening most recently either to Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR or Gene Denby talking about the movie on Code Switch. Yeah. And uh, a guest on the show would say, this movie does something unprecedented, which allows people who are not black to feel just a little bit. Yeah. To feel what it's like. Get Out is one of those movies, right? It has the horror aspects that that is the horror aspect that is very universal. It doesn't matter where you come from. You don't have to have to be black. You don't have to be white or any of that stuff. There's traditional scary shit in Get Out. But what Jordan Peele does and – you know, to, to to pull himself away and to kind of make this double layer thing is have these black these these fear points for the experience of the of a black person in America, right? The black community's experience in America, uh, where uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character is actively trying to sort of uh, tamp down his instincts of oh shit something's going wrong, right? Because he's in love and he's trying to fit in and yada yada. He's trying to tamp it down a little bit. You know, come to find out and get out, his, his interests were more than right. But I, I really think that um, we're going to see a lot more of this, right? Jordan Peele also did it with this. Is, uh, is it Us? Us, um, yes. And we're getting Parasite, obviously. So you're getting a lot more of social commentary, but mixed in with genre stuff, right? Comedy, horror, whatever it is. And I, I see that thing going forward. It is a way to make the. Uh... I guess the medicine go down. Like I've, I haven't seen uh, just mercy that came out uh, during this previous Oscar season. Uh, but that one, uh, the hate you give, did you see that from, that from two years ago? I think, uh, which was based on like a, a YA novel, but was, uh, definitely about, uh, you know, the, the relationship between, uh, the cops and the black community and, and code switching, uh, as far as how, in this case, it's a, a teenage girl, how she's treated by, uh, her white friends uh, and how she kind of presents herself versus like with her black family. Uh, it, it was pretty, obviously it was heavy for like a YA thing, but uh, I, I liked it. And the reason I bring both of those up is uh, I think that probably fits more the expectation, like in these times, like there's a reason those studios, I think have made both of those films free to rent for like this month. Like, so if you go to whatever your Amazon, iTunes, whatever, you can just yeah. watch it. Uh, I don't, you know, get out and parasite would definitely fit in that mold, but it would trick people who maybe are like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the movies for you to teach me a lesson. Like I want to have fun. You know, I, I, I work all week. I'm not going to be preached to, but you're right. Like parasite, they are being preached to in a way it just sneaks up on them. So I, I think that's a really, that and get out. Those are good picks for this topic because, you know, in some ways, it's it's on the audience. The audiences box themselves in as far as I don't like those type of movies, but they, it's, right. it's because they're they're thinking of. And I'm not calling Just Mercy as I said. I've not seen it, and The Hate You Give, which I liked. I'm not insulting either one of them, but you know, those they're being more upfront about this is what we're going to talk about. So it's right. like you're going yeah. to this PowerPoint presentation of this this topic, and there's you know, there are 
white movies <laughs> you like that too. PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> well, oh, well, okay. There's another one that I really like. Um, Green Book. Uh, that one. See, that one leans <laughs> leans for me more <laughs> planes, trains, and automobile. Like that. That <laughs> leans way more comedy, which so I like. So, would you say Green Book is more uh, giving you the medicine with the sugar with the medicine, or that is leaning into the PowerPoint? It's probably uh, bad for you. It is probably the dessert with a lot of, you know, it is the the honey nut Cheerios. And then the people who are adding sugar, like scoops of sugar on top of that is, is green Oh, book. does somebody do that? What kind of animal would do that? Just buy Frosted Flakes or something. My God. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you're – see, you, you classed it up with your movie selections, but now you're down the mucky muck with me saying so just buy Frosted Flakes. Uh, what's another one? Uh, Dark Water, Dark Waters, the Mark Ruffalo joint from last fall. I really dug that too. That is nope. a PowerPoint, PowerPoint presentation movie about – Here's this bad thing that happened, and here's this guy fighting for justice, and you're just gonna hit beat by beat by beat. Um, so yeah, I, crash. I'm not touching that. I'm glad I'm editing this one. Uh, you know, even then, that was what 2005. Sure. <laughs> I don't know if you watched it around that time period, but there was they were throwing a lot of stuff there at the wall, and that even then watching a theater, I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't know how that's going to play. And this is pre social media and there's still some right. stuff where it's like, mm. but Michael Pena, right? That's, Michael Pena, baby. Yeah. Michael Pena. God, you, you've brought up crash twice in the last month. I'm trying to, what are you trying to work sure. it in? Is this, are you trying to like, it's like it's you're trying bit, to introduce no. something into the bedroom with me on the podcast. You keep bringing up crash until I'm just gonna be like, all right, <laughs> let's do an episode on it. Um, uh, Probably not. Probably have to do the Ant Man stuff before we get into Crash. No, I think we'll do. Uh, we'll definitely have to do uh, uh, meet her on like Dying Girl before we do Crash. Sure, I can just unleash on that. Pick on a a white guy. I'll make sure <laughs> all of it's going to be on the uh, the me part of that that discussion. I I don't know that we are far afield from from dust till dawn as far as that goes. I I feel like. That one doesn't have to be as tricksy though, because it's two genre movies being mashed up. Like they're not neither side. As much as I mentioned, my mom hating the back half. Neither one of them is serious subject matter. They're both B or C level stories of two killers on the run trying to get to Mexico, right? Strip club full of vampires. There's no social commentary here. I hope not. I <laughs> I never know. What's I, the commentary we're getting out of this? You know, I you, never you know. Proper hygiene on your feet. Well, yeah, sure, especially in these times. Um, but, you know, I, I could get on Twitter. Uh, I, I won't. Uh, and you can just stumble across some random, like, hey, check out my review where I reassess, uh, you know, Trolls World Tour <laughs> or something. And it's, well, yes. you know, it's, you can tell when something people are really reaching. Sometimes that is, like, kind of interesting, like, for a few points. But it depends it on how far you go. Would you view the movie Arrival? As a sort of a bend, because it's also very genre heavy with sci-fi, mm -hmm. right? But there's also this this story of loss and uh, and fate and all this stuff and love buried in there that sort of floats to the surface. Eventually, you know, you start with it, right? You open with like she's going through uh, uh, like grief and all that stuff, right. but then. You wipe it away. You go to the sci-fi land. You know, sort of like Stargate or something like that. You know, the grief. Go to sci-fi land. And then, but arrival, it bubbles back up, and you you see that that strife come through. Is is that a bending or refusing to be something different, or is that just really good storytelling? I don't know. Well, or I both. Yeah, I, I didn't really. I was one of the few that didn't like Rival, and uh, part of it, uh, to your point, 
is uh, it was a little too twisty for me. They did they sneak it in right at the very end. It was it was, it was very like yeah. Shyamalan as far as like oh here's a way to completely uh, reassess what you just watched. Uh, you know, with something like From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, you know, you have enough time to where you're you're a part of it. You're a part of this like this completely other movie within this full feature length film. With Arrival, it's uh, you know, and I, I understand why it's meant to be like a gut punch. It's meant to get that sort right. of emotional reaction yeah. without you sitting with it for too long. But I'm you know a person that hates children, so I want to sit <laughs> with that, that for dead hours. Child. <laughs> yes, just like on your lap, this is carcass. <laughs> God, you're an animal. So not only do you want to sit the dead child right on your carcass, but don't give me the twist at the end. Give it to me in the middle. Let me let me let me process it for a little while. It's all a timing matter with you, huh? Yeah, I think so. Like I. Oh boy. All right, I I can talk out both sides of my mouth. I I think the vampire elements and from dusk till dawn. I think it could have been shorter for me. I think I think I, I that one maybe just uh, instead of going. I don't know if it times out exactly at the halfway point, but I don't think I need too much because one thing, this was a smaller budget. I mean, it's bigger for, I think, what the original intention was, which was maybe more like Reservoir Dogs level or Evil Dead kind of throwaway horror. Uh, this was, I think, like 18, 19 million, somewhere in there. It's It still has that foundation of this maybe should have been cheaper, considering it just has that one set you're in. Uh, and then I think anytime they try to get uh, too effects heavy, uh, they, they lean more comedy than they do horrific. That was one thing that I think bothered me. I think I probably dug it when I was a teenager, but as an adult, uh, I'm not as into how silly it is with the uh, some yeah, of the see, weird creatures. I think that you need that. I think that if you're going to jar so hard, if you're going to like veer so hard left or right with your genre and trope, you have to – I think you got to go all in. I mean, you you make it cheeky, you make it dumb to to really pull that uh cord, that rug out from under you to 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 really heighten the effect of that jar, right? I think that that's the intent. I like it. I think it's fun. It's dumb. This has very much become a, a peek into how I like to participate in the bedroom for sure, because it certainly is all about timing. <laughs> you know, don't 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 give me all this big production and then expect me to to go on for another forty minutes here. You save that right for when it's necessary. And a movie that I think I've mentioned on this show before that I like that is divisive is Hannibal, which I think plays it pretty straight and horrific for the most part, until you get to the very end and it goes off the rails. Crazy. Yeah. You got fucking in a fun way. Giant pigs. Is this like, you know, these, these weapons of mass destruction for this Gary Oldman with the weird fucking face. Uh, and then you have the dinner party scene with Ray Liotta. Like to me that I think that's, that's more my from dust till dawn as far as like you completely flip it, but it's only for that. You know, it's only for so the, you prefer where the, the drug lady is put into a cocktail dress that's very revealing and then uh, sort of drug-induced seduced. That's how you prefer it? Go ahead. Comment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of Julianne Moore the whole time, and I, you know, I can't go against my instincts. That's <laughs> I will say that is – that ending I think is amazing. I think – uh, Ray Liotta is hilarious. I think Ray the time of his life. It's, it's a way to go out. Um, just the whole setup there is is crazy. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, True Bromance Hall of Famer Gary Oldman putting together a a very very 
a good performance underneath all that crap on his face. It's it, he's awesome. Um, I love that movie too, man. I, I actually that's why uh, I hadn't read those books until I remember when that Hannibal book was coming out. It was a big to do because by then we'd already had Silence the movie and the great accolades and the award, and we sat for a long time. And Thomas Harris is coming out with that book. I, that's that's probably one of the like, four books that I own as a hardcover. I bought it, you know, Amazon. This is probably the first thing I ever bought off of Amazon. And I read that book and I, I, I dug it. I dug where it was going, man. Let's do this. Let's go crazy. There's another one that kind of turns and bends. Yeah, and that's uh, – I remember the reaction uh, being quite heated from people that uh, only knew maybe these characters from Silence of the Lambs, which is why it was probably good that Julianne Moore – replaces Jodie Foster so it wasn't like your beloved version of Clear Starling it's this this other you know more attractive should have done is, cocktail dress redhead <laughs> the true fans of uh, Thomas Harris and the Clarice Starling and, and this whole Hannibal Lecter series should have known it was coming you know based off of the tiger penis jerk off that we got uh, in Red Dragon oh, okay so this is yeah we we did an episode of original remake another show of mine uh, where we discussed Manhunter and Red Dragon and yeah that's I think that's where I worked in some of my handball material before but uh, that reminded me because you were all about uh, stroking a tiger penis uh, I think this has been very uncomfortable for the podcast that we featured you know <laughs> you've been making fun of me for like kind of reaching out in advance like hey uh, can we you know Use one of your clips, promote your show, and you know most have been accommodating. Like, yeah, that's that's fine. I wonder now if I should mention like we're going to talk about uh, buttholes, ball sacks, tiger penis. Uh, should I should I put that in the Instagram DM, the Twitter DM for this? <laughs> I think so. I think you might want to. I think you might want to uh, pre-stage what's coming because uh, you know not everybody ha- holds those uh, those sensibilities of Julianne more drugged up. Not everybody has them. Yeah, I might cut that part out again, or just <laughs> use a clip from their their date night there, where it's Ray Liotta. He's the one being rude, not Hannibal. Let's let's get that right. Let's remember that. You got any other movies that uh, maybe we've not talked about on other podcasts we've done, where like sort of a a uh, here's I, I don't know. I feel like with this, I don't want this topic to be like oh, it's a movie with like a twist, but like I'm I'm trying to think of other ones where they're they they are genre bending in that way. Um, and not like, uh, was it like Inception? I think is one that gets brought up, but I, I, to me that doesn't fit exactly what we're going for because no. it mixes a bunch of genres. But I don't think it ever takes like a turn, you know, like halfway through. No, I would, I would, honestly, you could lean on something like Tarantino going back to him and in, in Glorious Bastards, where you know this uh, very very heavy heavy subject matter is coming out and. Uh, and, and you intercut it with, you know, Hugo Stiglitz, and there's this great, there's comedy in that movie. Another one, I mean, obviously playing of the same is uh, what's the one with Taika Waititi, um, the Hitler movie, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Yes. Now I, I I would hold that up as a prime example. You have a movie that is dealing with the Nazi occupation and and racism of the Jews and all this stuff and the Holocaust, and it is a coming of age story for a boy i mean it's really i mean hector's a character played by a new zealander so um i i think that that's probably the best most recent example other than parasite i see where your head's at 
you know, you're bringing Nazis into this like left and right. So maybe you just are more on point as far as the current climate. And uh, yeah, I'm I did thinking. talk about uh, um, Get Out as well. You know, mm-hmm. you know and sure I'm, that... I'm thinking of Julian Moore. <laughs> you got to get right, Mike. You got to get right. <laughs> get right. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, what's 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 next for us? What what? How are you going to change the the direction of uh, you know, my perverted brain when it comes See, to this I podcast. I think that, well, I think that we need to really examine, We, I, I'm going to turn this on you. We need to of really course. deal with your obvious sexism here and your male gaze that you're, mm. you're really... I have been pushing that a lot lately. Catherine Zeta-Jones and the Mask of Zorro. Yes. You kept trying to bring up Antonio Banderas. I was swatting you away, wouldn't let you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Salma Hayek, I, I was defending her honor as far as where her foot has to go. She wasn't paid enough for sure. A $19 million total production budget, Salma Hayek was not paid enough for this. It's oh. disgusting. And, but act. then you go into full Julianne Moore uh, uh, tomfoolery, like the like the tongue just rolls out on the floor, like one of those cartoons, you know, mm. like the, the old mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, Looney Tunes where the tongue goes rolling out. That yeah. was you just now. But uh, I think we need to examine your male gaze. So let's talk okay. about uh, 500 Days of Summer. And, and and how the male gaze is defining the manic pixie dream girl. Well, I, I think this is going to be the cold shower that apparently I need. Zoe Deschanel, you'll get no male gaze from me. <laughs> not <happening. laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh, not a fan of playing house at the old um, at the old furniture store, the IKEA. <sighs> oh man, you hit it on the head. Like I, I had to pause. And say something to my wife because I'd seen this movie before. We'll, we'll get into it next week, but a little preview. That was the scene where I paused and said, "If I knew these two people in real life, I would hate fucking both every, of them." Every second of it. Yep. Every second of it. So there you go, listeners. Look forward to our conversation <laughs> on Five Hundred Days of Summer. Now I can see why people don't want us to snoop out. There was maybe a 15 second gap from where you announced uh, your <laughs> podcast to it's just like the you're almost the climax and you see the asshole in the balls <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah alright I'll try to be I, I, didn't even, I didn't even bother going into my personal deep dive it's, it's it's not that just that one but there's also the the razor bumps always throw me off oh yeah see that's what are you doing why are you leaving that material it's gold right there as soon as that went I into my brain far enough I, <laughs> I just couldn't I, if I thought that I couldn't let it go I would have to work it in you, you could be talking about get out and I'm like alright let's talk about razor bumps <laughs> <laughs> the worst man <laughs> we could sing until we ran out of words we just saw